Welcome to the First Time Podcast. I'm your host, Tad. If this is your first time listening to First Time Podcast, let me explain. It's very, very simple. Either one of us or both of us are experiencing something for the first time, and it's really that simple. Uh, Tonight is one that I'm experiencing for the first time. I'm very excited to talk about this, and and no surprise, it's a movie. We don't always do movies, but... um, 99% 99% of the time, we're going to talk about movies. That's what I love, and that's what my guests love. So tonight, I'm very excited for my guest. Uh, he's the co-host of Nightmare Junkhead and the Nerds of Nostalgia podcast. He's the president of the Kansas City Horror Club and one of the nicest guys I know. Tonight's guest is my friend Genius. How's it going, Genius? Oh, dude, it's great. I am honored and stoked to be on here, man. I'm excited. Not only do I get to talk to you, but I get to talk about Nacho Libre. So that's a win-win. Well, I want to compliment you a little bit and, you know, uh, pat your back just because, uh, one, you were like the easiest guest to book. Um, so many times <laughs> I'm like trying to contact people and they're like, well, I, you know, I want to do this. And, you know, and, and they're just with schedules and stuff. It's, it's really hard to try to book someone. I think I messaged you like Tuesday and I was like, hey, would you happen to be available in two nights? And you're like, yeah, I could go. Sure, you're like, yeah, it. I could do it tonight, whatever. Uh, and so thank you for being so readily available. And um, mm-hmm. also, I just wanted to sort of say, you know, I, I met you. It's probably going on three years ago at Panic Fest. Um, I hitched a ride with Jason and Mike. I was a new guy on, on Attack of the Killer podcast, and they were heading to Kansas City for Panic Fest. And they said, you know, hey, we have, you know, a back seat that's not being used. Do you want to come with us? You can sleep on the Uh-oh. floor in the hotel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh I was like, you know, sure, I love film festivals, and, you know, I'm going to head up there with you guys, and, and we made it to Kansas City. I had never been to Kansas City, and it was like, we walk in the door, and it was like a family get-together or something. Um, <laughs> everybody was hugging, and everybody was just uh, open arms, literally open arms, and, you know, everybody's like, hey, what what's going on? What's new? You guys, we should record, you know, over here, and they had their little booth to, to record uh nightmare junkhead and you guys had us on the show and it's just uh man the the kansas city horror club is something i envy because it's definitely not like that in iowa i i wish it was <laughs> but you guys are so awesome like it and you know it, it just felt like for somebody who did not know anybody there everybody was just so accepting and cool and wanting to support each other's films and each other's podcasts and and everything so um thank you guys for just sort of being awesome and you know i was was so stoked to see you recently at that drive-in event that was awesome too um so how long has the kansas city horror club been going well it's actually been going on for a while but first of all um it was one not a problem to book because the rona kind of opened up my schedule a lot Uh, (laughs) oh yeah all of us (laughs) and i was like again i was excited to talk about this but one um yeah and you are totally part of the kansas city film family now too i mean between everything that uh you guys have done and i mean with the show the movies and even like um the cons that you guys do you guys are totally part of and you too are are, uh, welcome you we welcome you with open arms because like that's one good thing about horror, especially nowadays, no matter what differences we lie on political spectrums, moral spectrums, whatever, I think a lot of us can all agree that we like to see horror movies and we like scary things. And um, that's the one thing we wanted to do with the Kansas City Horror Club and with everything. And we, I've been president for about six 
seven years now. Um, it went on. It was started a, a while before me, but then it died for a little bit. And then, like any good horror thing, it gets like a good remake. And so, <laughs> and so that's what I try to do. And things like the drive-in and being helping out with Nightmare Junkhead and doing all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I like to do it because I like to meet people that have similar interests. And why not welcome people? You know what I'm saying? But I mean, going back to, I'm not trying to like like bring down it but yeah no i had a blast meeting you and interacting with you and everything so yeah that's one good thing about horror we can all get together no matter what the circumstances be like man do you like halloween fuck yeah i love halloween you know or some shit like that and yeah yeah it's just so cool that you guys sort of have that to you know you you've used it for like i said the driving events and the different conventions every every time we're at a convention in the Midwest, it's like I look forward to running into you guys. You guys did uh, awesome, like drive-in shirts this go around, uh, just killing all the time. And and you and Greg are hosting events at the Screenland Armor. I mean, obviously, right now with COVID, things have slowed down quite a bit, but it seems like you guys are still going uh, as strong as you can through that, right? Are you guys still hosting stuff? Oh yeah, we're still hosting. Um, some of the the local theater uh, has opened up on the our Screenland Armor where the Panic Fest was has opened up limited capacity. And so every Friday night we have a thing called Friday Night Frights where we host um, scary movies, all different sorts of ones, new ones, old ones. And um, we also have a thing called the Shutter Shoutout, which we record at Screenland, where um, we recommend two movies on, that are streaming on Shutter, And then we have a little post-show YouTube thing that you can watch where we like discuss it. So it's a lot of fun. We still like to do things in the theater. And we hope that soon more people can do it. You know, the drive-in's great. I love the drive-in, but I also want to go back to the theater. Right, and the drive-in was nice in the summer, but we're in the Midwest, and uh, it gets fucking cold. <laughs> yeah, there's mad toros in the atmosphere, and like <laughs> it gets frigid. And I love outdoor barbecuing as much as anybody, especially because I'm from KC. But there's a fucking point where you don't want your ribs frozen inside or out. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's been weird to adjust, but it seems like you guys and uh, Screenland, everybody's sort of doing their part and trying to keep uh, the the film scene alive right now. And Burlington, man, we like I I help program films at the Capitol Theater and you know run the the Snake Alley Festival film, and we haven't been we, we've maybe showed a few private movies since march but outside of that it's been closed and we don't anticipate doing anything until summer but then again our theater is a non-profit 100 run by volunteers and a lot of those volunteers are older retired people and it's not really worth the risk of putting them in there yeah you know and it's it's not um it's not someone's like like life livelihood like it is uh the owners of screenland and stuff like they have to keep that mm-hmm. open that's their you know that's how they make their their living and right. uh you know and they've done a great job adapting to the you know making sure that people are spaced out and they've added new technology and making sure everybody's safe in there and and feels comfortable so uh shout out to them shout out to you guys for just keeping that film scene going yeah and you know what like you said it's nothing is worth uh getting sick and dying over um but at the same time you know soon we'll get back to livelihood and soon we'll get back to uh everybody going to the theaters again and again 
even like you said at the beginning at Panic Fest where everybody was hugging with open arms, that almost seems like an eon and a lifetime ago. Right, you know, we, yeah. We say on the show a different time, another time, another place. I mean, that is definitely, even though like Panic Fest was like a few months ago, uh, or about a year ago, actually, and even the drive-in was literally a few months ago, it's still so much has changed in the world that it feels like eons. It's ridiculous. We're in a time vortex is what we are. Yeah, I mean, Panic Fest slipped right under. Like, they got in right before. They're one of the very few festivals that actually happened this mm-hmm. year. So, uh, you know, I saw that they've, they've already put out a call for entries, and they have their new date. So I'm really looking forward to having a normal, actual in-person festival to look forward to again. Yeah, me too. Me too. So tonight, we're talking about a movie that I have never seen, and it's something that I saw you recommend in a Facebook mm-hmm. group that we're both part of called Movie Boner, which is a uh, fantastic, fun group of film lovers on Facebook. Yep, yep. Uh, and uh, it just seems funny because you, you said, I, I believe you said this movie was highly underrated or highly under underappreciated, and I have to agree because um this is like i said my first time viewing and somehow this has been on my radar since it came out and i have there, there's like a handful of movies that i've had on my watch list since they came out and this is one of them so tonight we are talking about nacho libre no one has bigger dreams than nacho when you are a man sometimes you wear stretchy pants He's for fun. But to become a champion, I would like that kind of respect. He'll need strength. <laughs> speed. <laughs> and style. And now, <laughs> the orphans, they need me. He'll become their hero. From the director of Napoleon Dynamite and the writer of School of Rock, Jack Black. Nacho Libre. That didn't hurt. Okay, so Nacho Libre. What about this movie um, sort of made you think that it was underappreciated or underrated? Um, I think my quote was, "It is the one of the most underrated and underappreciated sports movies of all time," um, and I stand firm by that. Um, this movie is so fucking good. It's ridiculous. And I don't, I think it's underrated because it is the definition of cult movies. Nobody saw it in the theater. Um, and it wasn't until afterwards, the word of mouth where people are like, this movie is actually really good. And it wasn't until people like, no, it looks stupid, but you have to see this movie. And it wasn't until that it, it became like the cult of Nacho. So I think that's <laughs> why this movie is so underappreciated because it's still not seen by enough people. But I think, and it's got Jack Black at the height of his popularity and right. it's produced by fucking Nickelodeon of all things. But at the same team, same time, nobody saw it. I saw this movie in the theater. And when I went to see it on opening weekend, just because that's what I do, um, there was like three people in the theater. And this is 2006. This wasn't like last year pandemic. So it's like, man, I don't, know why nobody saw it i can understand why people would think it's stupid because i mean i love this movie but it's fucking stupid but in such the wonderfulest way it's stupidly sweet but especially like from the director of napoleon dynamite that's such a polarizing statement right there that's almost like 
from the director of Hereditary. You know, that's such a polarizing yeah. director. Well, yeah, it was released on June 16, 2006, written by Jared Hess, uh, Jerusha Hess, who's uh, Jared's wife, and Mike White, um, and directed by Jared Hess, who, like you said, did Napoleon Dynamite, Gentleman Bronco, Masterminds, and several other things. And I, you know, it's it's hard to sort of watch this and not compare it to Napoleon Dynamite, because that was Mm -hmm. a huge juggernaut. I remember... Uh, seen Napoleon Dynamite for the first time, and it changed uh, comedies for quite a while. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm sort of surprised looking back at, like you said, this was Jack Black at the height of his popularity. Um, I think it came out the same year as Pick a Destiny, and that was at the height of Tenacious D's popularity. Um, you know, he was following uh, Napoleon Dynamite with this. You would think it had every ingredient to succeed. I just don't know how it didn't because it's that same style of humor, very dry, subtle, um, awkward humor, um, but very fun and dumb. This one was a little, it seemed like a little more uh, juvenile, but also in the sense that um, it was a little more clean humor, but still very, very funny. Like not not juvenile as in um, immature, but more so like kids and their parents can watch it together. Like yeah. r- right at the beginning, I saw that the opening, you know, credits, it has the bell and it's Nickelodeon. I was like, Oh, I had no fucking clue. Nick- Nickelodeon did this. That's awesome. <laughs> like, could you, ma- I, I could imagine myself as a, as maybe like nine or 10 and going to see this and loving it. Like, right. Oh my God. Wrestlers, Jack Black being an idiot, the moped that he rides, like everything about it. I would have fucking loved as a kid. So I don't get why, you know, parents aren't showing this to their kids all the time. Like this is, this is so damn funny. You are 100% correct. It is more juvenile than Napoleon Dynamite, but it's also a more well-rounded, almost adult story. Right. You know what I'm saying? It, it's a it's a true, like I said, a good sports movie because it's a true underdog coming over in adversity, fighting for what's right, training montages and everything. But yet there's fart jokes and there's, but not overtly done. You know, there's, it's this weird cartoon world set in reality it's hard to describe it, but it's also a fucking beautiful movie. I mean, not one um, emotionally, yeah, because he's fighting for the children, but two, it's shot gorgeous. The color palette in this movie, yeah. This while Napoleon Dynamite, uh, he came on with it and was like, "Hey, this is my kind of style and humor," and it was very like. Wes Anderson, in a way, Arrested Development, kind of just awkward situations, dry, like you said. But in this one, he really stepped up his game as the as the director with telling a story and featuring shots because there's some shots in this movie. I should you not. They should be on the side of a van, or they should be uh, <laughs> on a velvet poster somewhere, or they should like adorn somebody's like dorm room because like the shot when they're kind of defeated in the gym and their skeletos lying on the bench and he's just sitting there in his mask. That's a goddamn gorgeous shot. Yeah. I mean, there is some beautiful shots in this movie. So it's, it's, it's more kitty humor, but framed in a very professional and adult way. Almost the same, almost the same thing with Paddington and the Paddington two movies. Those are a hundred percent kids movies, but they are so well crafted right they're so well done and i think that's one thing that gets overlooked about this stupid wrestling movie and and i mean that with the most love because it's it is but it's so well done 
Well, I think what he does perfectly is, uh, and, and this goes to credit the actors too, but it's definitely his writing and his directing too, is the timing of the humor. Like he lets things yeah. linger and most comedies want to bang on to the next joke, the next joke. He's not afraid to let us sit in silence and absorb a stupid joke, which is like the awkward silence after joke is, is so much louder than the joke before it, you know, cause we're sitting, we're sitting there with it. And that's, what's so perfect about his humor is that we're facing it like right on. And I, I absolutely adored it. Um, I just, like I said, I can't believe I've never seen this. And when, when you posted that it was one of the most underrated sports movies, uh, I was like, this is my chance to get, get this off my list and finally see mm-hmm. it. And what's crazy is I just over the weekend watched uh, Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny for the first time too. You know, I haven't seen that movie. Okay. I, I still haven't. But so tell me what your first time was like, man. Cause like my first time was in the theater and I remember like absolutely loving this movie when I saw it. And I try to remember if my brother was there, but I know my mom was there because my I turned to my mom and I go, well, what'd you think? And she goes, that was the stupidest movie I've ever seen. That was just as stupid as Napoleon Dynamite. And I go, yes, it was. Wasn't it awesome? So, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, yeah. What was your first time? Were you like, holy shit, this is great or, or what? Well, I'll be honest. Yes, I, I really did love it, but um, it, it came at like the perfect and worst time um, somehow because uh, I, I will date this podcast because this is the day after um, we had a major political event where a large mob um, broke into the Capitol building in D.C. And so that was sort of overtaking the news yesterday and last night. And um, I watched this last night so it would be as fresh as could be. And on one side, it's like, there's this major historical event happening and I'm going to be watching Nacho Libre. But on the other part, I'm like, I could turn my fucking brain off from that and watch this movie. And is a great distraction for an hour and a half. So, you know, I absorbed it completely different than you did. Uh, but it, it made, maybe made me appreciate it even more because it was like the perfect distraction I needed to just get away from the bullshit for an hour and a half. I think that's the perfect uh, rave review for it. I think that's what should be on like movie box posters because, like, like you said, the fact that this little Mexican wrestler Jack Black movie can, for an hour and a half, take you away from all this bullshit and madness that we're seeing. You know that it can actually, like, when you're done, like, this was a good, uplifting underdog story. Let's go back to this horrendous shit. You know what I'm saying? That's the the wonderful power of movies, good, bad, or indifferent. Just get away for a little bit. But the fact that you can get away with something this funny and good-spirited. Right. Like a lot of humor nowadays and a lot of movies nowadays. I'm looking at you, A24. Are fucking <laughs> are fucking sad and mean. That's you know ex- what I'm saying? Exactly what I was just gonna say is like, um, it would not be the same if I turned on like hereditary um right. while it's happening, because that would just dig me deeper in the hole. This is like so perfect. It's it's somehow clean humor, but also dirty humor because it's about farts, but it's not a lot of swearing. There's like no uh just it, it doesn't um it never gets beyond a like it draws a line in the sand and doesn't cross it, but you don't notice it. Like it's a good, clean comedian. Like certain, there's like a handful of good stand-up comedians that are clean. It's like Gaffigan, Seinfeld. There's only a small number that can pull off clean and still be funny. And this uh-huh. movie is like that, you know, where it's it reminds me of. Um, now I'm drawing a blank. There's a couple of other Hot Rod. Like that movie's to me is severely underrated and and it's dumb humor it's simple but it's so fucking funny it's like i wish mm-hmm. more people would see it and 
you know, this was like everything, all the ingredients were perfect for it. His humor, he, you know, he, he had huge success with Napoleon Dynamite. So he probably had some funds to pick up a known actor and he got Jack Black, which I think is, I love Jack Black. I love Tenacious D. I love mm-hmm. everything he's in cameos up to starring roles. I think he's, he's just so damn funny. And, um, casting him in this was hilarious, but I had a question for you as far as this goes. If, if they were to make this movie today, would Jack Black be ridiculed for playing a Hispanic man as a white man? I think he would get some shit, um, but a little bit of it because I think it's – here's the thing. Okay, so I, 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 had, I knew this question was coming because, you know, I mean, it, you can't help it, especially nowadays. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's looking back at things and, and, and wanting to whatever they want to do, right? So right. I kinda, so I kind of realized this. So – I can't speak for all Mexicans, but I can speak for this Mexican. Um, I think, one, the fact that you made him half white, half Hispanic helped. You know what I'm saying? Right. My mother was a missionary from Scandinavia, right? So that helped. I think it's kind of like, I think you could get away with it because I think it's the kind of energy and a kind of thing only Jack Black could do. You know, not saying that this was tailor made for him, but he made this character his own. And I think it would get some flack, but at the end, because of intent and love, it would be like, okay, okay, it's a pass. It's like it's like if your cousin Leticia brings her new boyfriend Chad over <laughs> and like first the family's like, Oh man, I don't know if I trust this guy, but then it's like you realize that he truly loves Leticia and the culture <laughs> and holds it with respect and reverence then the rest of the family is like okay that's kind of cool all right we're, we'll be okay with you chad you know what i'm saying right so because nothing's done mean nothing's done in a way that makes fun of hispanics and yes he has a, a silly accent but everybody in this movie has a silly accent this is a cartoon world exactly you know? what i was just gonna it, say these are exaggerated caricatures of characters yeah, this is an absolute cartoon world. The fact that um, it is steeped in reality in a way where, like, shit hurts and things and people are realistic and nobody's eyes are really bulging out, it's still done in such a goofy, over-the-top way where you can't take it seriously. The minute somebody gets their eye impaled with the ear of corn, <laughs> you should lose all sense of self um, uh, self airs. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's not meant to ever be taken seriously, um, mm-hmm. even though there are some, like, heartwarming and heartbreaking moments in the movie. Oh, absolutely. He goes on a fucking emotional journey with forbidden love. <laughs> so I, I guess if you haven't seen this, I'm not sure why you're listening to this, but the story of this is probably the most simple um, movie I've ever covered on the podcast. Like, basically, uh, it starts off as him as a kid, and he... Uh, grows up and he becomes a missionary and he falls in love or he sort of, he he does fall in love with a woman who, who comes and helps a sister and um, he wants to impress her. And he's so uh, enamored by luchador wrestlers that he decides to do it on his own. And he starts making some money that way. So he's sort of moonlighting at night as a pro luchador wrestler and still doing his duties as a pretty bad cook for a bunch of orphans. Uh, and he gets his ass kicked 99% of the time until the big uh, spoiler of the ending. He finally wins a match. And like you said, it's it's a uplifting story of 
someone who has a dream and achieves that dream, even yeah. though, you know, they fall flat on their face every time, whether they're fighting um, hilarious little people or big greasy wrestlers. Uh, <laughs> big there, greasy wrestlers. There's so many funny matches in this. It's just, oh, it's, it's laugh out loud funny. Nipple tweezed. But here's the thing about it. It's not just like the fact that he overcomes it and all that stuff because it's a it, that's that's great too but the fact that he overcomes it because he stops doing it for himself when he decides he goes you know what maybe i should pray about it and do everything for the orphans then he starts winning you know i'm not saying like it's a pro-religious movie but at the same time it's kind of you can read that message where like you're always going to keep falling on your face if you do it for vanity if right. you do it for money if you do it for stretchy pants you know what i'm saying it's not until you do it for the orphans do you then succeed you know and and that's kind of a cool story and again the the, the forbidden love with the nuns I <laughs> so funny. The scene where he takes her out and he is supposed to be a setup where he's supposed to be able to beat up some dudes mm-hmm. and he's wearing his white pants and his blue sweater and his new white boots and he ha- he pulls his wedgie up in his butt and bends over it's so it's like just perfectly Jack Black. So stupid but so damn funny for some reason. And the lines are quotable too because in that same scene when he does that he goes you know, beneath the, the fancy clothes, there's just a man. And beneath the man, there's a nucleus. And it's just <laughs> so ridiculous. Again, like, and it's just that the nucleus and her look of like, the hell are you talking about? That's, like you said, it's those mini beats. It's it's like in music. It's not, it's not just the notes played, but the notes that are not played mm-hmm. that make the joke. And the jokes never really outstay their welcome. And they all seem to work organically right and that's why like i think it's just perfect casting there's fun just so many funny little scenes in here like when he goes to get the chips for the orphan and gets his ass kicked and (laughs) the chips get stolen did did you notice in the in that movie when uh they every time skeletal jumps they make cat noises yes (laughs) there's so many funny sound effects there's the cat noises uh and then when he they're fighting the little um little people there's like a the really there has to be a sound from like a horror movie i was hearing it that those characters were making and i could not pinpoint what horror movie it was but they pulled that critters okay i was like they pulled that fucking sound clip from a horror movie that i've heard a million times and i cannot figure out what it is is critters because they're like yeah, 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 yeah. It's right when critter it's critters too when they're talking to each other okay when they're over when they're chowing down in the um uh oh i even know this fucking thing um uh, hey little buddies can gather around this is the very best eating in town <laughs> hungry heifer the hungry heifer <laughs> <laughs> I had to think about the jingle. That's sad, but I know more of the jingle than the name. The fucking jingle from Critters 2. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I have you on here, man. Uh, but it's, it was like, in my brain, I'm like, is this the little guys from Phantasm or the sound of Gremlins? Like, I, I'm like, I recognize the sound from a horror movie, but I can't put what it is. But, you know, it, it's those little subtle things like that and like cat sounds. Um, I absolutely thought the the mope like the three wheeled moped that he rides is awesome because <laughs> yeah it is <laughs> it's funny because I I just bought a moped at the end of fall like right at the beginning of winter to fix up over winter and it's like am I I don't know if I'm having like a midlife crisis or what but I just really suddenly wanted a moped and I I spent forever searching for it and now it's like a new thing there's like a whole culture of moped riders and and uh, 
you know, I have friends who are into motorcycles and stuff and they're like, fucking mopeds are so dorky, dude. Like, what are you doing? And then I watch this. I'm like, this is not a good uh, argument for my cause. Like when he rides know, right? that, that three wheel thing, it's like a tri it's like a backwards tricycle with like a chainsaw motor a, or something and a basket <laughs> and a, th that can hold another person if needed. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he gets his tires slashed after a match. Uh, or was that that was at the party that they snuck into? Yeah, that was right after they got kicked out of the party, which that whole party scene is probably from like the right before it to right after it is probably my favorite thing in the whole fucking movie. When I watch this, I you know, honestly, this is one of those movies, again, how cult it is. I could watch it again now. You know, I'm actually thinking about like, I kind of want to watch this movie as soon as we're done with this. But like, yeah, that whole party scene, and I am singing at the party, and then the side characters in that party scene, like, <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the sister, and she's like, I forgive you. They say wrestlers make bad lovers. <laughs> How'd you get here? These secret tunnels. There's a big ass rat hole in the middle of the wall. Yes. When that, that was my, the scene I laughed the hardest at is when they're at the party and he breaks through the rat hole and he's just screaming bloody murder. <laughs> I, I was like crying. It was like this only in this movie, like only in a Jared Hess movie, can they do this and, and get away with this? This is so dumb, but it's so funny. His it's like, a primal scream and it's right. he's clawing his way out and it's so fucking funny and right before her ass knocks over that chair <laughs> that's the part of it that i cracked up in. i was like oh my god this is like a live action red and stimpy cartoon this is so wonderfully goofy and i am singing at the party it's just so ridiculous he uh i read that he improvised that entire song like as they're shooting Oh, yeah, there's actually, on um, the deleted scenes, there's, like, six more lyrics <laughs> to it. Uh, I don't know off the top of my head, but that's why, like, Ramses throws it because he starts getting pissed off, and Ramses, he's no signs when the orphans and the children want him. And so it goes on talking about how Ramses is kind of a douche, and so that's why, like, he gets super pissed off. So, <laughs> I don't know, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun, but that... And then right after, right after the party scene and all this shenanigans, you get corn in the eye. That, right. Yep. It's like the, the climax one, to it. The cherry on top. The, <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, just like that moment where he's singing is so like, you know, signature Jack Black. Cause mm -hmm. I mean, that's in every role you, you have to have him sing at some point with that clap. Like he just has that recognizable voice. And he does the up and down, up and down. Uh, it's just his thing. And, and I was so happy to see, like, he had that, you know, little moment in this movie, too. Twice. Yeah. Twice. Because then he goes, I ate some bugs. I ate some grass. I used my hands to wipe my tears. To break, <laughs> kiss your mouth. I break my vows. No, no, no. I said no. Jose. Unless you want to, and then we'll break them together. <laughs> Incarnacion! 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 I love that part so much. Do you ever do karaoke? Because holy shit, you could nail like any Tenacious D song. <laughs> Actually, I love karaoke, and I have uh, broke out... Uh, 
motherfucker gently sometimes. So, so but man. yeah, no. And I've also been told that I have very Jack Black characteristics, I guess because I'm fat and full of energy. <laughs> and so, <laughs> oh man, that's good stuff. Uh, so looking, I was sort of digging through IMDb just to see, you know, the, the people who made this, uh, like I said, Jared Hess, his sort of highlights were Napoleon Dynamite, Gentleman Bronco, which I somehow have seen that, but I hadn't seen uh, Nacho Libre. Have you seen What'd Ge- you think? Gentleman well, yeah, Bronco? I gonna, oh, I, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Add the word anus to the end. Like, <laughs> Greganius. That's Jermaine uh, Clement, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I fucking love him. Me too. I got, like, a man crush on his voice. He's got such... I would love Jermaine Clement ASMR. Oh yeah, he he like the way he enunciates things is perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he also did Masterminds, which I still have not seen. I remember when it came out, um, but I have never seen it. Is that the one with uh, Galifianakis? Yeah, it has uh, a fucking stacked cast. Like, has like Kristen a, Wiig is in it. Yeah, it Galifianakis. A, yeah, it has a, like a dozen huge names in it. I just could not believe. I'm like, how did this? How is this not a big thing? I I mean, I feel like the Hess sort of type of comedy came in and just like any wave of movies everybody tries to jump on that train and they try to make sort of their versions of it and and they're Mm -hmm. all knockoffs not quite authentic like his and it sort of killed that genre for a bit and he suffered because of the you know oversaturation of it so i'm you know it it was sad to see he didn't really continue in that direction i know they did a napoleon dynamite like animated show on fox which i never did see but um I, I don't think I never got to see it. either. I think it only but lasted I, a season. If, if that, because yeah. like, yeah, but I think the problem, like you said, Napoleon Dynamite was a blessing and a curse for him. It was a blessing because like it's a fucking great movie and it gave him a lot of chance to make more movies, especially this one. But also, I think like that movie turned a lot of people off. And so when you say like. Yeah, it's the guy who did Napoleon Dynamite. Eh, pass. Because I still know people to this day who either have hated that movie from day one or have hated the fandom of that movie. Kind of like after so many, my wife, and so right. many, like, like, lucky, you know? Yeah, your mom goes to college. Yep. Yeah, which at the same time, I was guilty too because I was funny as shit back in the day. But after months and months and months and months and months of hearing it all the time, it gets old. And so, yeah, people are like, oh, fuck that, dude. Fuck Napoleon Dynamite and fuck Nacho Libre and Gentleman Broncos and all that. But I think that's unfair. Yeah, I think so, too. It sort of had this – I mean, this happens in music and movies and anything pop culture, really. But it had this initial wave of popularity where everyone was like, this is so fucking funny. And then mm-hmm. the cool kids came along, and they thought – you know, they sort of killed it by thinking it was funny. And then they drove it into the ground with overquoting it, which I was probably guilty of, too. I had friends who all wore the Vote for Pedro t-shirts and yeah. you know all that stuff. And then I feel like – I watched it pretty recently, and it still is fucking funny. Napoleon Dynamite. I'll, I'll be, yeah, it is. I'll, I'll stand up for it. It's, uh, it's come back around. You know, it's been long enough. We can uh, get back to loving it again. It's okay, guys. It's cool. It's, it's a fucking funny movie. Your mom goes to college. <laughs> no, <laughs> you go home. With, nobody would say that. Go home with Starla. No, but uh, <laughs> no, I agree. This, I think it's come around again. I mean, like looking back at the interest of when Borat Two came out. You right. know, we all heard my wife again, and it's funny again. And then, fortunately, it hasn't overstayed its welcome. But again, with Nacho Libre, the fact that nobody saw that, and that this movie is so insanely quotable, so insanely quotable. Yeah, I mean, I still, uh, I still even 
from time to time we'll quote stuff from Napoleon Dynamite, but I'll probably start quoting some of this stuff because like you said, it's, it's insanely quotable. Um, my niece who's never seen Napoleon Dynamite, I remember telling her to eat her freaking ham and she thought it was so funny. Like she's a little kid. She's like, I don't know what that is, but it's hilarious. And you know, my sister's just shaking her head. Like, don't start. Don't yeah. start. I'm like, she has to, she's eventually going to watch that with me and she'll think it's funny, you know, and I can get her to watch Nacho Libre too. Cause it's completely kid friendly. And, and then pretty soon she's going to be like, get that corn out of my face. <laughs> exactly. So I was, I was interested looking at credits too. Um, Cause Mike white is credited as a writer and I didn't recognize the name, but looking at his IMDB, he did uh, his earliest first movie was dead man on campus, which I love too. With Mark. Oh, I liked that movie. Yeah, yeah. With Mark Paul Gossler. It's really mm-hmm. funny. That's another, another, another underrated movie that sort of went under the radar in the late 90s um he also wrote some episodes of dawson's creek which was a big thing at our house for my sister i have an older sister and and (laughs) dawson was you know the the shit with james vanderbeek and josh jackson were you team dawson or team pacey I don't know, because, you know, I, I, I was pretty young when that was on TV. And uh, at the time, I, it couldn't have been less cool. Like, she watched that, right. you know. And uh, I, mine was probably, um, what was the one with Jared Leto? Um, that he was, like, the heartbreaker on TV. Um, it's not My So-Called Life, was it? But, I think so. Yeah, yeah that, I think it was. that was more my speed, because that was, like, mopey teenagers. That was realistic. I saw, like, uh dawson's creek and you know beverly hills 920 i was like fuck those kids but uh yeah that was too goofy for me although right now i fucking love gilmore girls yeah like when it came on that's like that's one of my shows that's one of my stories and president of the Kansas city horror club you should see my netflix queue it's like fucking horror movie horror movie horror movie gilmore girls horror movie horror movie that's not your libre it's all good man like we all have our things and i i will you know I watched uh, I watched Fuller House when that came on uh, Netflix. I'll admit that. Like, you know, I like musicals. I did an episode on Singing in the Rain. I hadn't seen it before, and I fucking love that. Like, have you ever seen Xanadu? No. Oh, uh, dude, fucking see Xanadu. We that is like a great musical. I mean, like it's it's basically Olivia Newton John is a Greek muse that comes to Earth to inspire this dude to team up with Fred Astaire and make a roller disco. That sounds pretty wild, but I'll have to check it out. I'm sure. What when was it made? Seventy six, I believe. Okay. Uh, yeah, we did it for one of our Monday mystery movie nights. I thoroughly music by Olivia Newton John and ELO. That sounds awesome. It is awesome. So Mike White, uh, coincidentally, he also wrote a lot of episodes of Freaks and Geeks, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I fucking love that show. He wrote School of Rock and was uh, one of the leads in School of Rock. He was the, I think the the guy who had to go away, so he gave Jack Black the job. Um, <laughs> so he's an actor and a writer, and he uh, wrote the Emoji movie, which surprised me, and Pitch Perfect three. Like he's moving up in f- like um, high profile movies, but his his humor is all over the place. It seems like you know. Like mm-hmm. he went, he did Dawson's Creek and uh, Nacho Libre. Like that's 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 weird to me. That's crazy. Yeah, you don't you don't expect Dawson. You know. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes sometimes when you look at the lake, you have to wear stretchy pants. <laughs> so we're gonna take a quick break and then uh, we will come back. I have some IMDb trivia about this movie, and I'm sure Genius has some stuff uh, that he knows about this personally. So we'll hear from the podcast network, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, 
home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. And we're back. Um, I was just going to look over here. I sort of went through um, half-assed, did some research on IMDb. Sometimes this stuff is pretty questionable. Sometimes, um, you know, I'm guessing most of it's true. Uh, So please, if if you see something on here that, or you hear something on here that is, you know, is not true, uh, listeners, call me out. That's fine. It'd just be nice to know that someone's listening. So... (laughs) Uh, also before we even get to that i wanted to give a shout out to uh hector jimenez and darius rose the two characters we haven't really even talked about much uh that are in this movie uh chancho and esqueleto his wrestling partner and the little boy the orphan at the school that sort of inspires him Um, both of these actors are fantastic like hector uh we talked a little bit about his scene where he crawls through the mouse hole it's so fucking funny um but he sort of has this I don't even know how to explain it. This um, very subdued performance in this movie that is just a perfect counterbalance to Jack Black's um, extreme sort of yeah. loudness. It's almost like um, sp- like the old Warner Brothers cartoon, the old Looney Tunes, when they had um, Speedy Gonzalez and his cousin Slowpoke Rodriguez. <laughs> it's because he's just, but he's in every way the exact opposite of Jack Black, and I think that's how it works. Even the point where like. I don't believe in God. I believe in science, you know? Yep, I yep. Mean, <laughs> but yet they overcome their differences in work, even though they're throwing shit at each other and beating <laughs> the sh- and throwing beehives and everything. <laughs> but yeah, his performance, El Skeleto, was so subdued. And just some of the things, his lines cracked me up. He has like, when he would go, ooh. Like every time he, when he would like, what do you think about this picture? Ooh, or like when he's in right before the rat hole when he's looking at the dolls, ooh, and just crashes the thing. And same thing when he's like, sure, just just the way he says it, the most like you want to hear a song, sure, (laughs) it's ridiculous. (laughs) And he's so off-putting, you know what I'm saying? Yes, yeah, a weird-looking dude. God bless him, and and I'm not trying to talk shit. But he's fucking weird looking. And so, like, when he's there and you're like, all right, surprise, I brought you corn. It's just, <laughs> what the fuck is happening? Right. And he's so, 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 so skinny. So skinny. That's what's great about uh, his, I would say, um, these movies is that he gets these actors who, and props to the actors probably more so that they're just not afraid to make themselves look completely dumb. Like you have to put your ego away to play that role. Um, And, and that's for everybody. I mean, Jack Black has the confidence of a um, huge buff wrestler when he's barely fitting into those spandex. Uh, That's what makes his character. And then with Escalato, he's, uh, you know, the opposite where he's rail thin and he's got this sort of sickly looking Langley body. And like mm-hmm. you said, and they, they accentuate all the worst parts of people in these movies by giving him an awful haircut. 
and you know and just making him always sort of sweaty and putting him in these <laughs> awful clothes it's, but it's so fucking funny and just like chapping his lips and dirtying yep. him up but also even like the background side characters they all are not hollywood looking you know what i'm saying right it's, they're not like beautiful extras that and i think that's what makes it more feel real right. you know what i'm saying yep. because like i have family members that look like half the cast so <laughs> like i and fuck going back to chancho when i first saw this movie i swear i was looking at a version of me i thought i was like am i in some sort of weird time loop where i'm looking <laughs> at eight-year-old genius i wanted to go behold your future change your ways now <laughs> you know so like i mean because i wore the sweatpants and i had the little striped shirt that barely fit you know it was like <laughs> and i was a little pudgy mexican kid with the haircut this i kind of look i i identify with chancho but the fact that he's such the sweetest character right like that's okay here's my mother's lucky machete and hiding his secrets and his number one fan basically right I, I, audience surrogate i just want to, to fucking crawl through the screen and give him the biggest hug like what a little sweetheart um and he's the inspiration like when uh nacho sees him out in the audience wearing the mask with sister it's like you know that's what took him over the edge and of course that that hilarious scene where he dives uh where nacho dives out of the ring and he's flying forever uh yeah it's just the exaggeration of that where it's it does not even look remotely real they take it over the edge of looking real to make it so funny um god just there's so many funny little pitch perfect things in this movie but uh chancho is is like you know the perfect little underdog like you know he's he's he, he's the only one that stands up and says he likes Nacho's cooking. Um, you know, he just sort of keeps him going. He's the thing that keeps Nacho going throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. He's the moral compass. Yeah. He's the emotional center of the movie. It's all about this little guy and his mom's lucky machete. And <laughs> I think it works because he is so sweet. He is so innocent. And he's so fucking adorable. I mean, like, like you said, you just, because he's so fat and cute and you just want to, like, Arr! and I guess that's why people kept wanting to squeeze my face when I was little. I didn't get it now. But now I just had this weird epiphany because <laughs> I wanted to go and squeeze, like, little chancho. <laughs> Give me your lucky machete, you know, or let me borrow some sweats. <laughs> <laughs> he like knocks on the window. He's like, I need to borrow some sweats. Uh, what's your what's your history with wrestling? Like, I grew up watching um, WCW, and then through mm -hmm. that, got into WWF in the Raw era, and then probably in my teenage later teenage years, like actually probably middle teenage years, you know, um, like girls and and driving and uh, right. you know uh, fireworks and heavy metal stuff like that got in uh, was way cooler <laughs> than wrestling. So I sort of slowly phased out of it but i i watched the mainstream and some of the like ecw the hardcore stuff but i my exposure to luchador was basically what the small um little clicks they had in the big promos like Rey mysterio and la parka mm -hmm. and uh conan and you know they they had their little um they, they had a very small legion of ras of masked wrestlers in those uh leagues but you know the uh, luchador wrestling is like a has a rich history it has a huge following i mean it is much deeper than what americans know as far as wrestling yeah one of the uh national sports of mexico right yeah um my history of wrestling i grew up in the golden age of wrestling with uh hulk hogan and roddy roddy piper and andre the giant 
and Macho Man. So on Saturday mornings, I would go watch. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something, Mean Gene. You know, that was my wrestling. And then, like you said, cars and girls and other things got in the way. And then I got back into it just right around the time of when he started getting the the start of Stone Cold Steve Austin and Kurt Angle and The Rock and all that stuff, the resurgence of mankind and all that great stuff. So I kind of hit at two really good golden ages, but then I kind of dissipated. But growing up in Latino culture, you couldn't help but know at least the visage of the luchador. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad now that it's becoming more popular and more people are open to look at it because while I never been like, I can tell you all these luchador names and I can know all the rings and the matches. I can't do any of that. I can't even do that with any of today's wrestlers. But I've always thought luchadors were cool looking. There's something like we don't have a Latino superhero yet. So luchadors were and are still the closest thing we have. Well, it's sort of funny because that weekend we met, they played Low Life at the Panic Fest. And, you know, and that I was. In a wrestling luchador mask. Right, yeah, and that sort of that um, image, like, it's it's expanded beyond just wrestling. Like, um, you know, Rob Zombie did uh, El Super Bisto, his character that wore, it was, a, it was sort of uh, moonlighting as a wrestler, too. And it's like, in popular culture, it's sort of become this sign of, like, toughness. Like, if a dude wears a luchador mask, you don't fuck with him. But um, when I was a kid, I just was enamored by luchador wrestlers because of the legend. Like, they made it a big deal even in oh, yeah. these leagues that these guys, you would never see them without a mask. And, you know, every match it was teased like, you know, the the other guy was going to rip off his mask, which they, they touch on in this movie where, you know, uh, but for a different reason where Nacho's trying to just – uh, conceal his identity because of his religion and it's you know frowned upon um, in his religion to be wrestling so he, he's hiding it for a different reason but it was always sort of a thing in wrestling culture where it was like the face cannot be re revealed that's a very big deal and to me that was like so interesting as a kid I just was like you know is this going to be the match when we finally see his face and it was it was a humongous deal when we finally saw Rey Mysterio's face and this was right sort of at the beginning where um of the internet where like AOL, everyone had like, everyone's friends had like dial up aol so we were always searching like for wrestlers without their masks and it was like is that really a picture of him you know and like I, my brother's favorite wrestler was la Parca, and he wore like the <laughs> the skeleton costume and he was awesome he always carried a chair out with him a folding chair like he didn't even bother getting it out from under the ring he carried it out with him and he could do all these moves involving the chair. And, you know, the, the luchador wrestlers were always known for their acrobatics, um, their toughness. They were just always putting in um, 110% compared to the others. Like, they didn't need to be on the mic talking shit. They showed you why they were where they are in the ring. And that's what I always appreciated. Like, I'm here to watch these dudes fly through the air. And um, that's exactly what they did. And I, I love that they sort of... Um, nailed it in this movie like it nails that culture why it's so interesting you know they have the the huge sort of big baddie who's um fucking huge and, and greased up and then you have you know uh nacho who's on the other end of the spectrum and just sort of getting his ass kicked spectacularly through the movie well going back to the luchador aspect and why it's so um endearing and so captivating is like you said there's so much lore and honor and history 
interweave through it to this day where the fact like like you said if the mask is removed you are so dishonored and you can never wear that mask again and it's you lose your character and it's a big deal you know when you have to shed your character um and the fact that the masks then are passed down from generation to generation eh, and going back bringing back to cinema such a huge lore there are so many mexican wrestler movies back in the day where it was santos and blue demon and they would fight aliens and they would fight vampires and they would solve crime and they would they were they were james bond they were superman they were everything for thousands of latino people for so, millions i should say for so long that you can't help but root and and see what they are because they are heroes they are bigger than life and if they ever did get disc mask then then evil triumphs yeah it's funny you say that because um looking at the the trivia stuff it says ramses is portrayed by caesar gonzalez yes. a real silver life king yeah a real life luchador best known as silver king a second generation luchador who is the son of lucha libre legend dr wagner uh, he's also the brother of fellow luchador Dr. Wagner Jr. and the uncle of the recently debuted Dr. Wagner III. So it is definitely like a family thing handed down from generation to generation and across generations. Um, really cool to sort of see that rich history in it. Unfortunately, Silver King passed, I think, uh, in uh, 2019 or 2018. Um, yeah, he had I a heart attack in the ring, right? Yeah, he died in the ring. Um, I don't know where his mask wound up, but everybody's like, oh, man. And it was kind of a, a shock, you know? I mean, Lucha Libre, they're not supposed to die. Not in the ring. Right. He was only 51. It happened on May 11th, 2019. Um, yeah, died in the ring from a heart attack, which is tragic in London. That man. was on here, too. That's crazy. But that's awesome that he could participate in a sport that originated in small villages in Mexico and has become a worldwide phenomenon where he died in an exhibition match in London, England. You know? Right, and he got to portray pretty much his real-life character in a big Hollywood movie. That's cool. Yeah, that's super cool. Ramsey's had a good life. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I also read during some of the wrestling scenes, they use blow-up dolls to replace some of the audience um, because they cost much less than extras and they looked pretty real. I, I didn't even notice that. I noticed some funny, some hilarious extras in the crowds. I mean, they're very uh, Hess extras where he gets to just some of the strangest looking people to be in the audience. But uh, that just adds to the realness because, I mean, we've all been to or at least watched wrestling on TV and we know their audience is not a bunch of um, beautiful people. And, you know, I'm included in that when I was, you know, I'm still a, a strange looking dude. But when I was a teenager loving wrestling, you know, I had like the dyed bowl cut and I wore extra large T-shirts and, you know, I was big into that culture. I wore I wore a DX suck it T-shirt for school pictures and they made me turn it inside out after I got <laughs> my picture taken. Do you remember all that shit with the DX and the suck it? And oh, yeah. Everybody did the cross arms thing. Oh, and yeah. Oh, you better know. You better be sent to the principal's office. Oh, it happens so much. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yep. all the time. I would wear wrestling shirts and, like, the school would, you know, you can't wear that Stone Cold shirt because he has a beer in his hands. Like, oh, come on. All the come kids on, are watching yeah. it at home. Mm hmm. He's over there with a beer truck. And right. You're pissed <laughs> off because he has a beer in his hand. <laughs> 
Well, during filming, Jack Black, Jack Black recorded a series of confessionals, which were uploaded onto the internet as video podcasts available from iTunes. So this was like super early uh, considered podcasts. They became one of the most popular podcasts in the world at the time, which at the time I can't imagine there was a lot of um, other stuff out there. So um, I'd listen to the Nacho cast. Today we're going to talk about toast and religious <laughs> duties. Oh, yeah. I forgot about him inviting her back to the room to eat toast. We haven't even talked about Encarnacion. No. She was great. She's even ridiculous. She's supposed to be centered and grounded, and she's like, my favorite animal is poopies. Poopies? That's hilarious. <laughs> That's so hilarious. Yeah, she, she she sort of, like, you know, is obviously the not only just the best-looking person in this movie, but she's, you know, super gorgeous, but her she's so quiet and has so few lines because... It sort of just goes to show the grandeur of Nacho. Like anytime she's around, he's just trying to impress her by talking, by saying something um, lavish and ridiculous. And and once again, like her lack of talking is what builds her character. She just gives him looks. Like the the scene where he brings the, he he makes the salads and brings her the big salad, <laughs> and, he, yeah. and he's crumbling the stuff over the top and, and sprinkles it. Yeah, like... <laughs> so perfect. Yeah, but. Here's the thing. Everybody's trying to impress her and like nobody has a chance because she's a fucking nun. And like, but everybody's like, go do some priestly duties. Me and sister have holy things to discuss, you know? And, and just his interaction, you better not. People might think you're a floozy and her just look, you know? But here's my thing. I don't, I hope this doesn't sound terrible what I'm about to say, but if it is, please feel free to edit. But if you get a whole bunch of hate mail, She's the hottest nun I've ever seen in my life. You know oh, what I'm absolutely. saying? It's like, yeah, no, I, no I, doubt. I don't know if nuns are that hot, you know, because every nun that I've seen is old or like fucking Sarah Plain and tall or something ridiculous, you know? I, I mean, I guess there would be some like hot young nuns, but you don't. The only time you see hot young nuns is in a movie you shouldn't be seeing right. or a Lifetime movie. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And here she is, this innocent, pure. You can't do it. It's wrestling's forbidden, you know? And it's just ridiculous yeah she's she's great in this too and um i sort of just try to look up stuff she's been in a lot of stuff um yeah she she's played uh it blew my mind when i saw her in eastbound and down right as a filthy uh nightclub act yeah and i was like is that <gasps> i was like i would have looking i'm like no way is that her <gasps> you know like wow she's given more than a big kiss little kiss in this movie <laughs> she's in like narcos she's in uh she has a very um healthy resume compared to which uh chancho uh darius rose the little actor that played uh chancho he pretty much did like four movies and as a kid and then he's he's gone so i don't know hopefully that mm. was a decision he made and not so much where like the macaulay culkin factor when he just got sort of outgrew his cuteness and then stopped getting roles because uh i loved him in this or that kid from uh, Angus Young from Two and a Half Men. Yeah. Like, Man, fuck this. Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe he pulled a, a reverse not show and found religion. Maybe. Yeah. He was inspired by this movie. So I guess this movie's actually partly inspired by Frey Tormenta, Friar Storm, aka Rev Sergio um, Gutierrez Bentez, a Mexican priest who became a wrestler to raise money for his parish. So there, there is a true story. <laughs> About a priest who um, wrestled to raise money for his parish, which is awesome. Like, I want to see a documentary on that. 
Hell yeah, I would like to see a document like Nachos Libre, the true story. That'd be dope as shit. I'm sure it's not nearly as hilarious and awkward as this, but um, just the idea that a, a Mexican priest became a pro wrestler is like, that's a comic book story, dude. Like, that's... From, from Tijuana, the pummeling padre. <laughs> and he comes out like, you know, like, mama said, knock you out. The Lord said, knock you out. Yeah, <laughs> He comes out. Fucking, <laughs> he's got. He takes off his robe and he's all like buff and swole. He's got full of, like religious tattoos. Yeah, I was gonna say a big uh, cross across his back. <laughs> On his knuckles, it says "other cheek." You know, and he's <laughs> he's so pissed off. <laughs> Brass knuckle crucifix. Yeah, I I would love to see that. I would fucking pay to see that. Yeah, and also I read that um, a few different instances where Jack Black got hurt. Um, he was filming a wrestling scene. He jumped from the ring and struck his head on a chair, which he got a black eye and a gash above his eye, which needed stitches. But he also, um, as Nacho in character, challenged a true warrior named Francisco Daniel uh, Dominguez from San Antonio as part of a promotional event. Um, during the challenge, Francisco did a triple tornado kick, which landed on Jack Black's face, causing a three-month delay in filming. Oof. So, like I said, I'm not sure how truthful some of this is. That sounds almost like a scene in the movie, but yeah. uh, it sounds like he, he went through it in this one. So they should have had him fight the pummeling priest. That might have worked out better for him. Uh, oh, yeah, that's that's a scene where he, uh, I love the scene where they show all the different uh, luchador wrestlers and their stats and right. signature moves yeah. and shit. It's like a scene out of a, a fighting video game where they're just sort of standing idle while their arms are moving. It shows their stats. That was so good, too. That was, like, one of my favorite scenes until um, we saw him, you know, crawling through the, the uh, mouse hole in the wall. That that topped it for me. That was the funniest fucking scene in the movie for me. But, um, yeah. A lot, of those, a lot of those are actual wrestlers are actually on a luchador circuit. That doesn't like, surprise me. The, the actually three quarters of that lineup are wrestlers or they were at the time um on the luchador underground circuit that's and the fact that the fact that they have lucha underground i don't know if that st show is still on i know that um for a while i think um robert rodriguez he had his network el ray and they were showing it uh, at, uh like late nights on the weekends and stuff and i would watch it from time to time on there and it's just like i said uh if you like pro wrestling for the actual um sort of acrobatics of it rather than the the shit talking and the sh the acting um yeah that's some stuff to watch because man those dudes are fucking flying through the air i have no idea how they do it but uh if anybody says that wrestling is not a sport or you know that it's fake um try doing any of these things and not fucking dying right <laughs> Like flipping and shit and top ropes and stuff. Some of the things that these luchadors do are almost gravity defying, you know? It's Absolutely. Like, f there might be fake storylines or blah, 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 this or whatever, but you still have to be in pretty good fucking physical shape to do half the shit. And to keep physical shape to do that half the shit, I can't even lift my legs sometimes to get up a couple of stairs, let alone to do some like reverse corkscrew flying butt pliers. Yeah, and these dudes are doing it like now it seems like wrestlers have such longevity. I, and I know that's probably more so in American culture where we just cannot let like 
fucking Hulk Hogan and Ric Flair go. They're like, you know, wrestling in their eighties. It's like, just go home guys. Like mm-hmm. it's going to be okay. But, um, you know, it's, it's like when I'm bending over to tie my shoe and my back fucking hurts, I'm like, God, Ric Flair's like 90 and he's out there taking suplexes and shit. I just, <laughs> I know. Right. It's unreal. Fucking- Fucking every time I walk to the kitchen, it sounds like I've got Rice Krispies in my pants. And yet the Undertaker, the Undertaker's fucking 80 years old and just did the last ride for the last time. So, right. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, the last sort of funny fact I saw in here, there's several of them, like, um, as promotional tactics, thousands of free Nacho Libre masks were given out at movie theaters. Um, I really wish I had a Nacho Libre mask. I'm sure you can find them online now as easy as, you know, anything. But uh, they also... Uh, during production of the film, Jack Black's PSP was stolen. Do you remember those like handheld PlayStations? Mm-hmm. Uh, someone mm-hmm. stole it, and the entire film crew had to go on lockdown to look for it because he was very upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even imagine the PSP will be brought back now, you know, and just getting all wild and shit. I can't even picture a pissed off Jack Black, like a legitimately pissed off Jack Black. I remember um, he did stop at Screenline Armor at one time, didn't he? Yes, he he did. Yeah, he did. Uh, And he just randomly went to see a movie. That's fucking cool. And everybody's like, are you Jack Black? And he goes, yeah. And then, can we take pictures? Yeah. And so, like, yeah, he's just really cool about it. And he wrote a rave review for fucking Screenland, so... I hope he's as cool as he seems like, you know, he's one of those guys that um, we've never heard like a bad thing about. He's never been no one's ever tried to cancel him. No one's ever come out with any allegations against the guy. I just, right. you know, I and I, I hope that we never do because I want to love him forever. Like right now during quarantine, he's doing hilarious TikTok videos Um He's just one of those guys who's not ashamed to be who he is. I, I, he, mm-hmm. you know, he's he's got a confidence that I admire just because, you know, um, he's just got so much energy and, like I said, so much confidence and just something about him is like magnetic. I just, I've, I've loved everything he's in. I'll go see, you know, just about anything he's in, and he sort of slowed down recently. He sort of had his his huge wave where he was like like at this time when we're you know when he filmed Nacho Libre he had a huge peak and then sort of slowed down and mm-hmm. uh you know he's done the Jumanji movies and stuff recently but he just seems like if I could choose like five celebrities to like hang out with for a day he'd probably be up there it's just a blast oh yeah oh yeah I would definitely love to hang out with Jack Black and just get into shenanigans and shit and like you said I hope like down the line we don't find he's like some sort of Kevin Spacey-esque monster right but like <laughs> until until then like yeah <clears throat> I'm not like a Jack Black apologist because I haven't seen all of his movies, but at the same time, everything that I've seen so far, I've liked significantly. So, uh, yeah, I think he seems like a genuinely good dude and he's genuinely funny. But yeah, the confidence, especially being for a big dude as a big dude myself, like one, I don't know if I can do some of like the stretches he does because I'm like old and lazy, but two, like, man, you gotta, you gotta be comfortable with, who you are to do some of the shit that he does and like a hundred percent props to him because it's entertaining and it's funny. Right. He's never sort of, he, he, he's inspiring because he's not afraid to own up to who he is. He's, he's not, um, like I said, he just has this confidence about him that he, but he's also not cocky, which is great. You know, he's just, yeah. 
He's just a funny ass dude who's not he's afraid he's not afraid to let us all laugh with him. Like he knows mm-hmm. he knows what he's good at and I'm super sad because we had tickets to see uh, Tenacious D in September of last year and we were just so excited we have somehow have not seen them live like our we go to concerts all the time and they've been around the area and they were actually I think going to be pretty close like like a few hours away they were doing a concert a small tour to promote um voting like they're trying to get people to get out and vote Mm -hmm. and when we bought the tickets um it was like right when COVID started hitting the u.s and we were like by certainly by september it will be like a distant memory so we're saying oh sure you know obviously that um was like a pie in the face uh come (laughs) september it's like we who knows if fucking next september we'll even be go to concerts but uh it's just a, a bummer. I haven't got to see them live. So I, I'm hoping soon as, you know, fingers crossed that things slowly get back to normal and they get back out in the road. It's, it's one of those um, things I want to check off the bucket list to see Tenacious D is on the top of my list. And I, I'm almost embarrassed to even like say that I haven't seen this or um, pick a destiny until this week. And it, it's just perfect timing because I was on HBO Max and uh, pick a destiny popped up and I was like, how have I never seen this? I, I own concert DVDs from uh, Tenacious D. I, I just have seen uh, just about everything Jack Black's in. And we had, you know, we were supposed to go see them. And I'm like, I've never seen this. Watch it. And then, like, literally a day later, I see you post about Nacho Libre. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm already back on this Jack Black kick. Let's fucking do it. And yeah. it, was, it was just perfect timing on, on your part. And uh, I'm super stoked that we got to watch it. And it's such a good movie. Like, you can go back to it. Like, I ran him like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to watch Nacho Libre. Actually, my uh, buddy Dustin came over, and he goes, hey, man, let's watch a movie. And I go, let's watch Nacho Libre. He goes, yeah, I need a good laugh. And I haven't seen that movie in about three years, and I just didn't miss a beat, and it was so funny. And I think since it came out on uh, – since my first seeing it in the theater, I've seen this fucker at least about eight times. And it still holds up and just – keeps getting funnier and i notice new things about it and it's just so funny like when what i noticed once in this viewing when they're getting when they first get the money esqueleto's like getting his caricature done and it looks just like the caricature that napoleon dynamite drew uh-huh. <laughs> yeah so, so but yeah this such a good movie that still holds fucking up yeah, it's gonna go on like my short list of movies. I, I have the I have little categories of movies in my head, like um, movies that I can watch when I'm sort of in a shitty mood or when things are not going great or when you feel like you're in a rut. Like, there's mm-hmm. a small handful like this. Um, MacGruber would definitely be on that list. Um, trying to think of what else would go on there. Um, but definitely those two. Like, I feel like anytime I'm I'm down, especially like if my wife's sort of like in a mood, I'm like, is it time we, we put in MacGruber and watch it? You know, it's like, it's like what, just one of those, um, feel good, dumb movies that you can turn your brain off and just enjoy it for what it is. And, you know, I'm glad I have another entry into that list. One of my favorite movies like that. It's actually one of my favorite movies of all time is UHF. Yes, absolutely. Dude. That is definitely on that list too. Yeah, that is probably, I mean, and I've seen a lot of fucking movies, but that one, and if somebody goes, hey, what are your favorite movies? Top 10. I couldn't tell you my top 10 because there'd be so many, but there's like three or four that will consistently be on there, and UHF is right fucking there. 
uh, every November, I, you know, through, because I volunteer and work at the Capitol theater, um, I basically reserve a night for my birthday and I do a double feature. Like I just invite my friends and it's a private showing. And, um, you know, I order some, like, like a dozen pizzas and we lay them out on tables and everybody comes in and has a few, um, drinks of their choice, whatever they want from concessions. And, you know, we go in and I don't tell anybody what the movies are going to be. It's a surprise double feature every year. And it's usually some gonzo crazy shit. Um, the first year, <laughs> the, the first year I did Miami Connection and Troll 2. And oh, so good. Yeah, that was uh, everyone just fucking went crazy for Miami Connection. That one um, is so much fun. Mm-hmm. And friends through eternity. Yeah. Loyalty, honesty. To get through thick or fucking dragon sound rules, dude. Yes. Dragon sounds the shit. Absolutely. And then I'm I'm thinking of other years, but I know um, one year I did. It's probably three or four years ago. I did UHF and Black Dynamite. Oh my god, Dynamite! Which Dynamite is a very different, um, two different comedies on two different ends, but two parodies of of sort of a you know a very goofy humor. One's more more um, adult and one's more childish. But um, there were a lot of people who had never seen either, and it was like. Holy shit! This is these are two of the the best comedies of that on my top ten comedy list. Both of those would be on there. Oh, absolutely! And it's amazing how many, like you said, how people haven't seen UHF or Black Dynamite. We uh, did actually Black Dynamite was our one of our second uh, live Nerds and Nostalgia episodes, and the majority of the audience has never seen that movie before. Same thing with UHF. We did a Nerds and Nostalgia episode with UHF and maybe about 99% of the audience had never seen it. Fuck, it was my partner Greg's first time watching the movie. And I was like, how have you never seen UHF? It blows my mind, but it's actually also endearing, especially in movies like this with how you experience with Nacho Libre, when something that you love and champion is seen by somebody with brand new fresh eyes, and they in turn then love and championship it. It's something like very awesome about that. Like you, not I'm trying making it much more of a bigger deal than it really is. No. But you have this weird connection with a person. Like, hey, now you know what I'm talking about. Yes, do we just become best friends? Yup. It's that kind of like connection. The power of seeing a movie for the first time and fucking loving it after somebody who's been loving it for years. It's a wonderful, wild thing. Right, and that's absolutely why I created this podcast. That's why it's called First Time, is that, you know, for the most part, it's it started as me introducing friends when I find out they hadn't seen, like, if I had a friend who hadn't seen UHF, I'm like, holy shit, dude. Like, especially, like, you, you have friends that you think, okay, I know what they dig, I know their style of humor or what, or they like certain action movies or something, you know, and you find this movie that they somehow have missed and you cannot wait to show it to them. Yes. I'm like, if they know that they're going to record a podcast about it, they're going to sit down and actually watch it where, you know, they're going to put the phone away and actually focus. Cause I miss it. I started this during the quarantine because I really miss having friends over to the house where we have like our own little theater room or the movie nights at the Capitol, where I would expose people to these, these gonzo crazy fun movies and mm-hmm. and sitting in a I miss sitting in the theater and it, like a room full of people who had never seen Miami Connection laughing their ass off you know yeah 
just cannot believe a movie like that exists. But, you know, I missed it so much that I'm like, I'm going to start this podcast and get people to watch things for the first time. And then it branched out to like, I have a lot I haven't seen. So let's turn it around and, and, you know, anybody. And then, of course, it expanded to like, let's consider anything a first time experience. You know, if somebody loves something and they think I would enjoy it, let let me try it and, and see how I like it. And, you know, I've done so I did like fantasy football for the first time. I just re- recorded an episode with Jason. He got me to do fantasy football, um, just little things like that. But movies are definitely like, like when you find something that somebody else loves, like you said, when you, when he hadn't seen black dynamite and you showed it to him and he was, he was probably like, Holy shit. How did I not ever see this? It's so much fun. It's like, you feel a sense of accomplishment. Like this is so great. I gave them the best gift of all, something that they're going to love forever, you know, that, that he's going to enjoy. He's always going to love this movie now. And that's something we tried to do with Nerds and Nostalgia when we were doing it in the theater, you know, way back in the, in the before time. Uh, movies that we genuinely love and think other people will like them too, and we want to show them off. Like we, we've shown Miami Connection, and we've shown um, UHF and Black Dynamite and uh, – streets of fire and never too young to die and movies that like these are fucking fantastic these are what you need to see but i think people who haven't seen nacho libre especially on the guys of the creators of napoleon dynamite are truly missing out on something very special because like i said this in the in the original uh in the original post that that started this conversation it's truly a great sports movie. It hits all the tropes that you want in a great sports movie. It's got the underdog aspect. It's got the 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 romantic aspect of it. Like he's, he's mm-hmm. got an Adrian, you know, oh, right? Encarnacion, you know. So he's got that. It's got the over the top villain. It's got the training montages. It's got fighting for what's right. You know, it's a great the rise Sports. and fall and you know the rise again mm-hmm. at the end and overcoming diversity and and finding a way to win yeah it's absolutely dealing with your own hubris you and also it can be used as a superhero movie you're changing into a different character and with great power comes great responsibility and it's not until you fight for what's right and for the other underdogs that you'll truly like get ahead and be the hero that you need to be so i i think it's one of those movies that people dismiss because it is a silly movie. It is a silly Jack Black Nickelodeon luchador fart movie. But at the same time, it's so fucking good with so much heart and so much like genuine love and care and pathos that it goes beyond being this stupid fart wrestling movie into something that I think needs to be more cherished and heralded. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. I think that's sort of a great way to sort of wrap up the talk about the movie, but I definitely want to give you a chance here. Um, if you had any final thoughts to let me know, but also to make sure to let people know where they can find your, where your, you know, recording podcast, what you're up to. Um, you just got so much going on. You put everybody else <laughs> I know to shame. So I, I'm, I want to give you time to make sure people, you know, my listeners can uh, find you out there and, and what you're doing. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, um, for final words for Nacho Libre, I fucking love this movie. Uh, and I think everybody needs to see this movie at least once. And, and with a lot of movies, if you decide it's not for you, cool. But if you, you might find your new favorite movie. Um, <clears throat> so where you can find me at, uh, I'm on the Nightmare Junkhead podcast, which you can find on SoundCloud, uh, iTunes, 
Stitcher. I'm, we also do the Nerds and Dist- Well, that's we're not doing that right now because we are thing is closed. You can find me on the Media Rewind podcast where we do TV shows and action movies. Uh, that is also on Stitcher and iTunes and SoundCloud. Um, also, you can find the Shutter Shoutout on the Screenland Film YouTube and also on Nightmare Junkhead YouTube. Um, the Kansas City Horror Club is on Facebook. Um, it's and I also the Super Creepy Fun Time podcast. It's coming up on the Crickets Network, and there's a couple of episodes already in the can, um, and they're already out. We're just finished up another one um and find me up on the on facebook under genius mcgee genius with the j or twitter uh instagram uh grinder uh tinder <laughs> uh what are all those other apps fucking whatsapp uh, the tiktoks the facebooks all that stuff so yeah you're a busy guy um i'll make sure to link everything so people can easily find where you're at um it'll be a long list because you're like i said (laughs) you're a busy guy but that's what you know sort of like connects me you jason all these guys our passion for film and passion for just doing fun things and getting getting stuff out there and talking about it um is what we have in common and that's why we're sitting here for you know almost an hour and a half talking about nacho libre so uh, (laughs) thanks so much this was like a perfect you're the perfect guest for having on for this movie um you know i definitely want to have you on again in the future maybe i'll try to it'll probably be pretty hard to find something you haven't seen but you know i I could dig through my ethos and try to find that one thing on your watch list that you've been meaning to get to because that's that's another fun aspect of this i'm trying to cancel out the thing where um and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, when you meet up at a film fest or at one of your sort of events uh, that you host and someone mentions a movie, um, it's sort of in the film, uh, sort of the film scene, people are afraid to admit they haven't seen something. So they'll say, uh, it's been a long time since I've seen it, or I haven't seen the whole thing, or it's been so long, I don't really remember it. And it's, it's okay to admit you haven't seen something. And I actually ad- admire that because that means I can show it to you for the first time and see it through fresh eyes. My my friend just messaged me and asked me, um, what order should I watch the Star Wars films in? Because my uh, girlfriend has never seen a single one. What order should we? And I'm like, dude, that's a heavy question. Don't put that yeah, respo- don't put that responsibility on me, man. Like, <laughs> don't you put that juju on me, Rick and Bobby? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, I mean, I appreciate that he asked me, but I'm like, dude, that's you have a, a lot of responsibility on you. Like she, she's going in. I mean, the bad thing was I found out that she does know about like Anakin Darth. I was like really hoping she was completely oblivious. Cause I was like, if she watches them in order and she doesn't know that it's going to fucking blow her mind. But, um, unfortunately she already knows that, but I, I do know somebody who saw, was it episode three in the theater and, um, opening weekend. It's a friend's dad who, um, not a huge star Wars fan. He's sitting in the theater and they're watching it. And the moment it's revealed, he says out loud, Oh, Anakin's Darth Vader. And everybody just turned and looked at him like, Oh my God. <laughs> we found the, we found the, the one guy who somehow did not know this. It, it, and it's like, man, I wish I could be, you know, I wish I could have that. Like I'm, I'm always um, sort of searching for that high of, of having that moment. Like that blows your mind. So, I mean, luckily in the world of movies, I'm constantly getting my mind blown by new stuff. Um, it, you just had to dig for it and find it. It's out there. There's always good stuff coming out. But um, yeah, that's sort of what this podcast, you know, celebrating that first time and, and you talking about, you know, it, the same feeling and getting out there is 
is exactly what I'm trying to get on this show. So um, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, Dude, thank you for inviting me, man. This was a fucking blast. Not only did I get to talk to you, which I haven't in a while, and it's always dope to, um, I got to talk to you about Nacho Libre and your first time watching Nacho Libre. So fucking thank you. Oh, I'm, uh, thanks for showing it to me. Like I, like I said, I couldn't find a more perfect guest, um, and I'm so stoked that you showed it to me for the first time. I was, I'm just glad to have it, you know, off the list of um, the never-ending list of movies that I need to see, and um, I will definitely be revisiting it, and we'll definitely have you back on the show in the near future. So again, thanks so much, and uh, we'll talk to you next time on First Time Podcast. Thank you again for listening to the First Time Podcast. If you haven't already please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and give us a like on Facebook. Follow or subscribe to the First Time Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like what you hear, leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts. A huge thank you goes out to Scott Schreiner of Weezer for our intro and outro music. Last but not least, do us a favor and share this podcast with someone else who might enjoy it. We appreciate your support. Surprise.